When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alright, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104 the Horn, top of the charts Tuesday right here on Ball Don't Lie. Um, the uh, spec text line now lit up with those giving us uh, their Thanksgiving uh, festivities and traditions, which we appreciate. Uh, on the top of the charts Tuesday, we play jams that reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. So thanks to my man Patrick for all of his hard work. Um, also, uh, thanks to you for all your participation. Continue it, please, on the spec text line 512-337-3776. Uh, you also hit us up via Twitter. I'm at Rod Bavis in the Twitterverse. My man Harge at Hardball Harge and the real MVP Patrick Davis at it's Patrick Davis and Lil Wham there, huh? Yeah. Lil Wham? Lil Wham. Lil Wham. Wake Wham. Me up. Lil Wham. Can you name the other guy in Wham? Ooh, y'all than George Michael? Other than George Michael. I know I know his name, but I forgot it. What is it, Patrick? Andrew Ridgely. Ridgely. Wow. That is a great trivia question for black people. Because yeah, most white people don't get it. Uh, like, I don't know that too. I like it. Huh? I don't think white people know that. Uh, yeah. The okay. only reason I know it is because someone told me it once, and I was like, "Well, great, that's locked in my brain for the rest of my Did life." The person that was a white, the person that told, of course. That's my point. The first time I've ever talked <laughs> to Wham with black people it's in my like, life. You get, it's not a, how often does Wham come yeah. up? <laughs> in general. Yeah. That is true, but definitely among uh, the African-American community. But I will say that black people do love George Michael. They love George Michael. Yeah. Like, you can go play black, you can play George Michael at a black family reunion, and you'll get no complaints. Like, people like George Michael, but I don't, they probably don't know but, what other But only is. if it's Careless Whisper. <laughs> no, he got some other jams, too. Yeah, only if it's Careless Oh, uh, yeah, 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 you can play that I Want one. Your Sex. Yeah. Is that another one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he got some good ones. George Michael was freaky. Yeah. Oh, I like that about George Michael. Oh, um, yeah, yes, he was. Yeah. Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, but there you go. That's a great trivia question, though. I like that. That was Patrick. a great trivia question. Yes, he was. I was oh, arrested yeah, no for being freaky. That's, <laughs> that's how freaky you get. Oh, I'm surprised. I thought he was going to remake I Be Stroking at one point. <laughs> that's, that's what I be, be doing. doing. <laughs> I Be Stroking. All right, let's get to uh, uh, Let's get back to Oh, but uh, uh, Beck Sex Line, a lot of folks let us know uh, about their uh, Thanksgiving traditions. And a lot of folks here love to change it up, and I appreciate that because we did barbecue a couple of times for Thanksgiving in my house. Yep. And honestly, I loved it. Yep. And I told my family, I said, we can do barbecue every damn Thanksgiving, and I would not complain. Uh, one texture says, uh, screw turkey, Mexican food for Thanksgiving, yep. tamales, enchiladas, more tamales. I like that. I like no, it, no too. No question. I'm I a like big fan. Uh, my man Dwight Rabbit wants us to know, gravy uh, is brown for beef and white for poultry and ham. Just saying, dudes. <laughs> He's very particular about whoa, his whoa, brown whoa, gravy. Whoa, 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 That's whoa, what he whoa, says. Whoa, whoa. White for ham? 
You said I There's guess he, no way I would do that. I don't put gravy on my ham either. I don't think you need gravy for your ham, but it ain't just saying. Yeah. And then one text said, it's giblet gravy. Is it giblet or giblet? Yeah, it's one, one of those for things. Thanksgiving. Giblet or giblet? It's still going to be giblet. Is it giblet? And then a gimlet's a thing, too. Uh, I, yeah, I don't have no idea. It's still brown. My grandmother used to make both, I think. Giblets and giblets, I believe. She <laughs> make both, make I both think that's how I get down, too, on our <laughs> side of the field. Sure. Yeah, uh, you don't try and correct her. You're going to get hit if you try and correct yeah. her. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, someone says, uh, we're, Tyler says, uh, we're hosting Thanksgiving for the first time for our family, and they can't wait. We did that once. Did you have, yep. you oh, posted, oh, I'm yeah, sure. For sure. Um, yeah, we did it one year, and my my wife was overwhelmed. She had a good time, though. But it was yeah. It's a lot. It's a hosting lot. Thanksgiving is. <laughs> It's, it's, it's when you're man. the host, it drives you nuts. When you're the host, there's yeah. a lot of responsibility. I like so to be the person that brings Tupperware you. with me, and so I can just leave when I'm done. <laughs> I'm bring, I bring my with own. The Tupperware. Oh yeah, I, I got oh, so to take bring, take your plate to go. Oh, every time <laughs> I keep it in my car. So I have to make you a plate with no, foil and everything. Yeah, you got your no, own. I, don't Tupperware. worry about it. I got mine. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to sit it right here. Don't worry about it. You know it. what? Actually, that's a smart move. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. That's a veteran move by yep. you. Savvy. I'm, yeah. the, I'm the oldest of the grandkids. Savvy. I'm the firstborn on my, in my family to be the grandson. So all I'm telling you is this. That's how I roll up in there. Mm-hmm. I get away with a little bit more than everybody else. Of course you do. Because <laughs> you, got, you got the big. Mom, I only find the big Tupperware. Exactly. I didn't have the little ones. <laughs> got your big one. Oh, uh, baby, I expected you to bring your play. <laughs> I expected you. Uh, uh, you know what? That is not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, next time I hang out at somebody's yeah. uh, place, I might bring my own Tupperware. You should. I might just steal that idea. You're like, no, no, no. Save that for us. I don't, I don't, your paper plate will probably fall you apart know, by the exactly, time I get in the car. And then when it gets your car, you don't have to worry yeah. about balancing it. Exactly. the flow and you have to break it. You just, stuff, you just make it about the environment. Yeah. Like, Look, I'm trying. You don't want to waste <laughs> resources. Well, I brought Tupperware. Obviously, Rod B cannot make that claim considering my prep for these shows with all these papers. So. I'm trying to equal out my carbon <laughs> footprint. <laughs> my, my carbon footprint at this time is disturbing. All right, let's get back to it. Uh, let's get back to some Cowboys discussion here, gentlemen. Uh, they got to play the Giants uh, coming up next. And the Giants? We all know that's one of the big surprise teams of this NFL season. Brian Dabble's done a hell of a job. Most of the credit, I think, is due to Saquon Barkley just staying healthy. Saquon Barkley is healthy now, so the offense has an identity. Uh, but I love what Brian Dabble has done. One of the things he's done that's just been really smart is uh, not only building the offense around the running game, which for for the Cowboys, that is their Achilles heel. That's their rush defense. Um, even they, even though they blew out the Minnesota Vikings and had you know the best, it was the the largest road win for the Cowboys in the history of the franchise and the second largest uh, home loss for the Minnesota Vikings in their history. We talk about a an epic, historic blowout. They still didn't really stop the run. They just they, they separated themselves enough from the Minnesota Vikings where they made their run game irrelevant Correct. because they ran out of time and they couldn't focus on running the ball. But Dalvin Cook was running the ball. I mean, yeah, 11, he was effective. Yeah, over, was over, over six and a half, six yeah. and a half yards per carry. He was running the ball. But if the Cowboys' offense is going to be functioning like that, Hards, then they're, yeah, they can make the opposing team's run game moot and, and non factor. And that's why you looked at uh, what, what Patrick said yesterday was 100% true. When you can take away and you get out in front of them early, you take away the run game. And that's when you can let those savages get loose. Complimentary football. That's exactly right. And like we got a chance to see the Cowboys play complimentary football on all levels. The entire game plan 
was let's play all together. I want you to have good special teams. I want you to have good uh, defense. I want you to have good offense, and you can win the ball game. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. No, you're right about that. I'm not going to say it takes that kind of performance to beat the Giants. Uh, you know, the Giants are a good team, but they are. I'm not going to call them one dimensional, but mm-hmm. they are unbalanced as a as a team offensively because they are heavily, heavily reliant on the running game, and they should be. They got Saquon Barkley; he's yep. healthy. And last time he played the Cowboys, he was able to run the football effectively. Now that the Cowboys have been, I guess, they've been exposed as a team that has a a weak rush defense. I think the Giants are going to come out and be stubborn. Mm-hmm. And stubborn and steadfast in their uh, attempts to run the football. So it, the Cowboys, if you can stop the run. This will be the, uh, another test for you. You'll be able to beat this Giants team. And I'm gonna say you're gonna beat them easily, but I think you'll beat them in a commanding fashion. But if they can't stop the run, then it could get interesting. It could, yeah, it I think could, the Cowboys are a better team to win, but it could get interesting if they can't stop the run. Yeah, I believe that this this team in New York is kind of. They're about to hit that downslide that we thought was going to happen in that first year. They're they're dealing with injuries. They don't have a receiving core. So what do the Cowboys have to do? They just lost another yeah, receiver, just, Wendell Robinson. Yeah, and they just waved him. And they traded uh, Kadarius Tony. And they lost another wide receiver with a torn ACL on Sunday. Yeah. So they're very thin. So what do you do? We load up to take away the running game, and now you become one-handed. But the running game is also complementary to Daniel Jones as well because Daniel Jones provides that ability to run. I think they're going to end up using him like uh, the Bears are using Justin Fields. Now, he's not that electric on the ground, but he is electric enough to be able to move the football. So he's going to be running out of the pocket, rolling out, and trying to get away from Micah Parsons. That's not going to work. So how, how, how are they going to be able to be effective this week? The only way they can be effective truly is by consistently running the football against the Cowboys. Remember. Try to take that clock away. Yeah, exactly. First of all, I don't have to worry about the Cowboys offense if I can just keep them off the field, mm-hmm. complimentary football. But also, if you run the football, remember I talked about this last week, you actually take their best player on defense away. You take Michael Parsons out of it. Mm-hmm. You actually turn him into a more of a liability. Remember, they're, they're trying to play him situationally too because – He's dealing with multiple injuries, and they don't want to like overexpose him. They don't want to overuse him. So they're trying to be strategic in how they use Michael Parsons. You can watch him coming off the field on certain downs, depending on the situation. So if I'm the Giants, to make him a liability, potentially, you want to run the rock. Stay away from predictable pass situations. And also, their other player, Trevon Diggs, you make him less of a factor now. They don't even have a number one wide receiver, so yeah. I don't know if Trevon <laughs> yeah. Diggs even has an assignment versus I, the Giants. I hope he don't get bored over there. Yeah, exactly. You know he might saying? be. I hope he doesn't get bored. Yeah, but then you don't have to worry about the pass defense, which, by the way, the pass defense of the Cowboys is one of the best in the NFL, mostly because they have a ferocious, if not the best in the NFL, pass rush that is elite. Yeah. And that I don't care who you are, what kind of quarterback you are, especially at Daniel Jones, um, you're not going to be able to stand up in the face of that pass rush. No, and I mean, I'll throw you in this too. I think it's big for the Cowboys to score touchdowns instead of field goals earlier in the game. Because I think even if the Giants are able to come out and start playing and get the ball downfield and run the ball with some success, they're still going to have problems when you get in the red zone. Yeah, It's just standard, and that's a thing where they're not as good at it. So if you go, okay, well now we both score on our first two possessions. And it's 14-6. to six. Now, we score another touchdown, all of a sudden they can't keep running the ball. Right. 
because they're starting to get pushed further and further away. And as soon as we can make them a throw-first team and we make Daniel Jones try and beat us with his arm, and we know he's on a short week after Mm -hmm. having one of his worst games ever, that puts it really into your favor. So I think it's very important to try and really capitalize and not have as many field goals and just go, man, you really need to get in the end zone early because even if you're allowing them to get down into field goal range and kick some field goals, you're you're just being able to pull away a lot faster. So here's another thing, too. Here's their wide receiver core. Remember Kenny Galladay? Remember he was losing yeah. his mind? He was upset? He's now back to their number one, I guess you would say. Okay. You know who would be their number two? David Seals the fifth. Remember him? Wide receiver that played at West Virginia. Wow. He is he would be the oh, other wide receiver. Man. Yeah. It's been a while. And then the last one, Darius Slayton. Oh, I remember Darius Slayton. That would be the three wide receivers that they have left that actually mm. had some time. Oh yeah, by the way, they also mm. signed former Texas Longhorn, Marcus Johnson. He is on oh, the yeah, field as well. So undrafted he, free agent. Yep. Yep, still in the league. He's yeah. been doing it for a while. Good, uh, kudos to him for being able to stick it out. But he's been in there since what? 2016. Wasn't um man, I hate that. Wasn't Colin Johnson like on uh Remember he tore on the his Achilles. And he's on the he's on the right now. Yeah, cuz he tore his man, Achilles. He, he, was, been, he was the number 1. He was the be, one that was killing it. was he be starting right now yeah. like and getting a ton of uh yes, usage too. For That's sure. Unfortunate. Yeah. Um but anyway, getting back to it, uh yeah, I totally agree with what man Patrick was saying. If the Cow- I wonder if the Cowboys will try to uh bake in some uh, I don't know more creative concepts early on to try to distance themselves from teams mm-hmm. because it does work in their favor to have a lead with the style of play uh, that they want to execute. They get right. a lead there, and then other teams have to play from a a, a a situation where they're desperate and they're playing from behind. They're trying to come back. They'll they're more than likely not abandon the run, but they're less likely to run the football. Yeah. And then you have to worry about them trying to exploit the weakness of the Cowboys. Then they're they're playing right into the Cowboys' hands. Yeah. Well, and I mean, a lot of it comes down to trying to do what more what you did last week of creating space for a Micah Parsons or creating space for, but not throwing hard passes, not throwing the 30, 40 yard bombs to try and get it downfield and and get a big play. Go, let's just create it because even if we're not getting a big play out of it, we get six, seven yards. And if we can consistently get six, seven yards, we can get in the red zone, we can get in the end zone. Yeah. But if we're taking big shots, that's where we get behind the chain. We get behind the chains. We get behind it, and it's second and 10. And we throw another one, and now it's third and 10. And we got to throw. They know we're coming at them. And now we got to kick a field goal. If you can stay out of that early, and then once you get into the game, you can try and do that more. But in the first two or three drives, just keep it real simple. It's a Thursday game. It's a short week. Just keep it simple early, and then you can try and space it out a little bit more the further you get into the game, but making sure you don't get behind. Uh, one thing we don't talk enough, and I, I agree with you about that, uh, they, they, the Cowboys getting from behind, and they, they break your rule, how hard you've been talking about, of more than 30 passing attempts for yeah. Dak. Like that's yeah. when you get into danger that's zone. That's when I start getting nervous. It's in danger nervous. zone. It's like, yeah. yeah, you keep him under 30. That's usually ideal when he was um, exactly that versus he was under 30, only 25 attempts versus Minnesota, and he was superb, 2022 of 25. Uh, one of his, I think it was the second highest completion percentage of his career, actually. But one thing we haven't talked enough about, uh, we talked about it a little bit last week um, and a little bit yesterday, actually, too. Cowboys special teams needs to get a lot more props. They have actually been – 
an unbelievable special team shooter. We talk about the defense all the time and how great they've been at rushing the passer. Talk about the offense and them becoming one of the better run-oriented uh, offenses in the NFL. As a matter of fact, I went and looked at uh, net points just recently. So to give the Cowboys a little bit more props, if you just look at net points, total points scored versus total points allowed, Cowboys lead the NFC in net points right now. Man. They lead the NFC in net points above the 49ers or the Eagles or anybody else because, I mean, that's that, that says a lot. I think the 49ers will be obviously uh, in that conversation. So yeah, with the Eagles. for sure. Uh, but, man, that just shows you the Cowboys are a lot better than people want to give them credit for, but that 37-point blowout helps too. But I digress. Getting back to – If you listen to Michael Irvin, we getting all he getting all the credit. Uh, <laughs> Michael Irvin is like – he telling everybody who wants to listen hey, to them Cowboys. Yeah, Michael Irvin, a little bit. Nobody's been screaming louder about the Cowboys, even when they've been bad, than Michael Irvin. That's for sure. He's consistent. Uh, but the special teams man has been – it's been amazing. Dorrance Armstrong and C.J. Gowan and Luke Gifford, I'm um, the best coverage specialists in the NFL. Kevontae Turpin is a magnificent returner. Uh, we talked about Brett Maher and what he did most recently, but even in that game versus Minnesota, 27, uh, 53, uh, 50, 60-yard field goals. Mm-hmm. He's now got seven 50-plus-yard field goals this season. Uh, I mean, that's just crazy. Uh, he's 4-4 from 59-plus yards. And uh, Brian Anger. Actually, yep, has yep. been punting like a pro bowler. Almost every aspect of their special teams has been really good. So we got to give Bones Fossil yeah. some credit. Uh, you talk Bones. about yeah, you talk about special teams a lot, hard when yeah. we talk about our Texas uh, breakdown and matchups week to week. Um, as a Cowboys fan, I know you got to be excited about what you've seen from the special Absolutely, teams. Absolutely, especially when you start thinking about what Brett Maher has been able to bring to the table every time. He kicks because, remember, he wasn't even the kicker at the beginning no, of the not. year. Had to go get and him. And then they went and got him. We talked about it yesterday, how mm-hmm. Calvin, I mean, Cal- Calvin, Chill Hill came on. Oh, yeah. And it's like, man, tech, the Cowboys don't even have a kicker. Now he goes out there and he makes two 60-yarders, That's one crazy. counts and one doesn't. That's amazing. And they made the second one even better than the first one. But he's been clutch for the Cowboys when they have needed him. I, I've been impressed with the way that they've gone about their business. And then you also got to look at – what um, Turpin Turpin has done Turpin's his thing on there, and now they're trying to find ways to get him on the offensive side. He came in motion a bunch of times; they couldn't get the ball to him. But that they're letting you know what you yeah. talk about. They want to see what the defense does mm-hmm. by bringing him in to see how they adjust and maybe come up with a play a little bit later. They're they're hitting on all cylinders, but we'll see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I mean on Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. Got to be yeah. able a short week, baby. Short week. Yeah, short week's about coaching, yeah. um, right? Because uh, everybody's worn out. You don't have – you're not putting a ton of practice time in. Guys are going to practice, but they're mostly walkthroughs. Nobody's – you're not putting pads on and, and having a real physical practice or anything like that on a short week at the NFL, especially at this stage in the season. So it'll be more about the mental preparation and mental reps for the Cowboys and a ton that's about coaching and the game plan. you got a short week to do it, short week to install the game plan, so you're not trying to do too – yeah, much too much too many elaborate concepts and mm-hmm. bringing too many new concepts to the table. Uh, this game is about your identity and what you're comfortable doing, and that will probably be most of the install for both of the teams. Um, so it should be easy, uh, depending on you know exactly how both of these teams are trying to exploit the other one. But for the Giants going up against the Cowboys defense, there's only one way for them to attack the Cowboys. They can't really come into the game trying to throw against the Cowboys. They could, but I think right. everybody agrees that'd be stupid. No, yeah, yeah. The Cowboys understand that they're gonna 
gonna they're gonna line up with one of the best top five running backs in the NFL, uh, top five rusher, and they're gonna run the rock, and they're gonna try to get a lot of quarterback bootlegs and a quarterback uh, waggles and things mm-hmm. like that to get Daniel Jones on the perimeter too to use his legs to stress that Cowboys defense, and the Cowboys have to be ready for that. They have to be ready. They got to be ready for yeah. that. I think they will be though. I, I do too. Yeah, the Philadelphia Eagles. That's going to be the test because they can. They are balanced offense that can throw as well as run the football. The Giants. And they can run with their quarterback. And they can run with their quarterback. The Giants yeah. can run with their quarterback and they can run the ball, but they can't really hurt you with a passing game. They no. don't really have an efficient, effective passing game. So that's the difference. So Cowboys shouldn't be in too much trouble versus the Giants. I agree with uh, Patrick too, though. Early on. And you'd love to get a lead early on. Now the Cowboys recipe, I think, uh, will depend largely on uh, what Patrick talks about. Getting that lead early on, then it, it sets the table and it puts them in a, a situation of desperation. Yeah. Where they feel like, all right, man, we, we, don't, we run out of time. Right. You feel like you run out of time, you're going to throw the football rather than run the football. Yeah. Come on and now. And that's the recipe for disaster for any team going up against the Cowboys. Yeah. All right, uh, we got uh, Rod's round of the day coming up, and I want to talk about Texas versus Baylor. So we'll get back Come to the on, Texas-Baylor conversation, talk about how the Longhorns can put it on the Baylor Bears and give themselves a chance, just a chance. So you're to, saying there's a chance. There's a slight one to play in the Big 12 title game. We'll talk about that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104. Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Rod's rant of the day right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to get back into the Texas-Baylor uh, matchup uh, coming up this weekend. And, of course, just a heads up, a uh, reminder, it will be out at Bevo Boulevard at 7 a.m. It's going to be early. It's going to be really early. We'll be out there at 7 a.m. Uh, for your pregame festivities. Even heard the – hope the weather cooperates. It's going to be some weird weather coming up that day. Um, hopefully the weather, and maybe it does actually, does not uh, change Texas or deter Texas from their mission, which is to get the dub on Saturday and keep their Big 12 championship hopes alive. And then they'll need a lot of help from the Yardbirds, from the K-State, uh, from the Kansas Jayhawks uh, trying to beat K-State uh, because if they pull off that upset, which honestly I don't feel too good about that upset. If they do pull off the upset, however, and Texas wins against Baylor, then Texas uh, will find itself in the Big 12 title game. Um, but yay, we're, yay. we're a while away from that, and they got to get the dub first, and it ain't going to be easy versus the Baylor Bears. Baylor, a uh, little bit of a disappointing season, I believe, in the preseason uh, poll. Most people picked or most members of the media picked big pick Baylor to win the Big 12 and it was because everybody thought big, the, the Baylor would have the best lines of scrimmage in the Big 12 that is not really proven to be the case they are a veteran group on their offensive line and in, in the interior of their defensive line but they have not been a dominant group not they're good but they have been dominant the, the whole part was that Siaki Ika uh, guys like Jackson Player uh, inside for them, that those guys were going to demand double teams consistently, um, that they wouldn't, uh, teams wouldn't be able to block them one-on-one, and then when they demand double teams, there would be uh, a reverberating dom- positive domino effect all throughout the defense where they could win the numbers advantage and the numbers battle elsewhere on the defense, specifically on the back end. That has not been the case. Teams have still been able to run the football and throw the football against Baylor. Turns out losing guys like, you know, 
Terrell Bernard and losing guys mm. like Jalen Petrie, who are now in the NFL. Jalen Petrie starting in the NFL. Yeah, balling. Um, not easy to replace guys like that on the defensive side of the ball. And even offensively, even though they have probably one of the most experienced offensive lines in the country, uh, definitely the most experienced offensive line in the Big 12, although it's been good, uh, it has not been consistently great and dominant for them. And they do miss that speed they have on the outside, also playing in the NFL right now. But Blake Shapin is really what they were hoping on, hoping would he would take, he would take the next step. They were hoping that Blake Shapin would add a new dimension to this offense. And he's played really well, but they haven't been able to put together a consistent passing game. The passing game essentially right now is a complement of the running game. And the running game we know is built around the wide zone, the outside zone, whatever you want to call it. That's what they run. Uh, Jeff Grimes calls it his reliably violent offense. No RPO, the RVO, um, because he wants his guys to just wear down their opponents, which they do. If you go look at uh, runs by quarter, and they, they actually teams ended up wearing down in the fourth quarter against uh, against this team uh, because they're really so physical at the point of attack, and they do a really good job of sticking with the run and being consistent with the run. Some teams will abandon the run if they get down in games or if their game plan initially their script isn't working out. Not with Baylor. And you go look at Baylor. In the first quarter, they averaged around 4.7 yards per rush, Around 4.2 yards per rush in the second quarter, 4.8 in the third, but 5.1 yards per rush in the fourth quarter. They're hoping that they can just wear you down with time, which is why they remain consistent. Because they, they, they're hoping that, remember my theory about the running game being body blows? That's what Baylor mm-hmm. believes. They're body blows. And you're not going to knock somebody out with a body blow in the first quarter, in the first half, or in those early rounds. Those things, are, so the totality of those body blows that will add up over time. And in the fourth quarter, teams, that's when they're most susceptible and they're most vulnerable to those runs because that's when they're averaging their biggest yards per clip is in the fourth quarter. I don't think that's a coincidence. And their their second uh, most effective yards per clip is in the third quarter. It is not a coincidence. So what you want to watch versus Texas, yes, Texas could have success early on, but if Texas isn't blowing out uh, Baylor and they don't separate, kind of how my man Patrick was talking about with the Dallas Cowboys, it'd be great that opening script for Sark could give them an early lead, a double-digit lead, and force Texas, sorry, force Baylor into a situation where they're desperate, where they feel like, man, this game could get away from us. And if they, if they feel like it could get away from them, they might get away from the run. And put this game in Blake Shapin's hands. And that's where you want it. Uh, here's the thing about Blake Shapin. And I, I, I was going back and looking at some of the kind of deep dive analytical stats about Baylor. First down is where I think this game is going to be won. I know most people talk about third down, uh, third and long. I talk about being the money downs, the fourth down being the money downs. And that is true. But the reason first down is so crucial with Baylor is because even though they are really, like I said, they're an adamant running team, they want to, they're stubborn about the, how they want to run the football, they average their fewest yards per carry on first down. And it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, because on first down, everybody's stacking the box. It's your standard rundown, <clears throat> the most predictable rundown for most teams. So it's pretty easy. We know we got to stop the run. So the run fits are pretty sound because there's less uh, responsibility uh, in coverage. That's why a lot of teams like to break tendency and throw the football on first down. This is my concern with Texas Baylor. does that a lot. Texas does. Sark yep. loves to throw the nope. football on first yes, down. Yes, he does. <clears throat> he does. He's a big. He's a big first down pass rate guy. Yep. And 
I think in this game, and I went back and looked at it, so they, they, they run the ball on first down tradition. They run the ball probably 60% of the time on first down. But if you go look at a lot of their chunk yardage plays have also come on first down because they know everybody's stacking the box on first down, which is why they average 4.6 yards per rush on first down, 4.9 on second down, 4.8 on, on third down. Now, they average, I think, 4.7 yards as a team. <clears throat> but <clears throat> on first down, the predictable running down, at times that's when they get their play-action pass game going, and they want to get chunk yards downfield. They know you're probably selling out to stop the run. They're going to lure you to sleep with the run game over time, and also they know that's their biggest uh, tendency indicate if you will they're going to run the ball on first down so for texas watch the rpo game on first down and watch the play action pass chunk yard shots on first down they know that's probably probably where they're less they're they're more than likely to get one-on-one coverage on the outside from their opponent because everybody's going to be set to stop the run and i went and looked at their the the play action pass touchdown uh to interception ratio my man jeff how we're talking about this on longhorn blitz i'll give him some props uh he's got 14 touchdowns passing 11 of them have come on play action passes Mm. He wants to chunk the it, play action pass is where it's at for them because they built so much around their wide zone running game. Exactly. Um, only two interceptions there. He's averaging 9.2 yards per attempt on play action passes. So what you're going to get, you're going to get heavy run action on first down, and then and they may do it early. They may try to catch Texas slipping up because Texas has a really <clears throat> good rush defense, probably one of the best in the country, top 30 rush defense, and it's because they're really sound fundamentally up front, but also Texas is – they're a fast-flow football team. Yep. They go fast to the football. Um, so if if Baylor early on wants to catch Texas off guard, watch the misdirection early on. That usually comes with the play action, the bootleg action, on the waggle action with Blake Shapin, and then him taking shots downfield with that too. That's what I would watch if I was Texas. Like I say, 11 of his 14 touchdowns, come on play action pass, 9.2 yards per attempt, and he's going to attack the middle of the field, 0 to 19 yards, between the numbers, guarantee that's he likes to attack there too. Fifty percent of his completions and over fifty-two percent, nearly fifty-two percent, I should say, of his yards uh, between the numbers from zero to nineteen yards off the line of scrimmage. And hey, you go uh, look at I think uh, his total yardage uh, that he's thrown. I think it's uh, over over twelve hundred of his two thousand four hundred twenty-three passing yards have come exactly right there in the middle. What I'm talking mm. about. So and that's where Texas has unfortunately been weakest in pass coverage or most vulnerable. Texas has allowed teams to average eight point five yards per attempt throwing right there, zero to nineteen yards in between the numbers. Eight touchdowns. They have gotten their hands on some um, some interceptions, though. They got five interceptions. That's kind of been a saving grace. But Texas can be uh, exploited right there in that spot. I think they'll have a plan ready for it. Expect Texas to play a lot of whole player. Uh, man coverage, but have a whole player right there in the middle and just in case uh, <clears throat> Baylor wants to attack them where they've been weakest in pass coverage. So do you think when you say the whole player, is that something <clears throat> that is considered – a spy, yeah, yeah, or is that yeah, yeah. somebody? It's okay. basically a spy, and he can he can spy shaping too. He can yep, basically yep. play whole player and spy shaping if shaping savvy enough to be able to manipulate that guy with his eyes and then try to draw yep. him in and then throw it behind him. You can adjust. I don't think shaping's making those kind of decisions right now. <laughs> uh, from what I watch, he's making good decisions with the football, but he's not savvy enough. Like Mahomes, not trying to manipulate guys with his eyes and then throw behind them. He's not doing things you know of that sophistication just right. yet. Um, so I think you can't just work with a whole player inside and their wide receivers don't scare me right no, they're, they're, they, they got, got a, a couple guys exactly. that can stretch you a little bit yeah. but 
they're not those ones that they used to have that were just track stars. That, exactly. Yeah. That, could, that, that were just game threat, game breaking threats. Yeah. Uh, so I think Texas actually has a, um, yeah, I think they have a favorable matchup on the outside uh, with their DBs versus their wide receivers. Where Texas, I think, is most susceptible is their line, that linebacker depth, and then their safeties because they're going to work their tight ends a ton because they do got, got, they got good tight ends yep. uh, and they got slot wide receivers that work well with their RPO game um, and that work the middle of the field, the intermediate uh, level of the field really well. So I think Texas, Texas is going to win the run games on first down and I think Texas will win their fair share in the run game. Texas rush defense has been the most consistent thing about this team arguably, not just the right. defense all season long. What I worry about is them being able to get chunk yardage plays on first down against the Texas defense because they lull them to sleep. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean that's my yeah. concern. And I think honestly, I I think Texas will be ready for it because it it's it's obvious on film that yeah they run the ball sixty percent on the first down. But go look at whether chunk yardage plays are coming from in the passing game. A lot of them are coming on first down because yeah. they want to they that they know that's their best chance at getting you know a high. Um, Basically, on those high usage explosive plays, they got a 69%, or at least Blake Shapin does, 69% completion percentage on first down. That's his highest completion percentage on any of his uh, downs. Yeah. Second down, third down, even fourth down. That's, you know, that's where he gets the most favorable numbers advantage in the pass game because everybody's stopping the run. And not that I'm not worried about the pass, but you got to prioritize and emphasize run, uh, run defense or rush defense on first down. They know that. Watch the chunk yardage plays on first down. If Texas is limiting those, it's hard for them to beat you on predictable passing downs on third down. If you can get Baylor in the third down and make Blake Shapin have to beat you, depending on his weapons, Texas pressure rates tell me that they'll be able to get to Blake Shapin and pressure him before he's able to get through his progressions right. and hurt Texas in the passing game. So that's kind of key. Get back to first down wins if you're Texas. That doggone baseball player. Uh, yeah, he can make some of them throws, too. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. makes some of those little side-on throws. But he sets his feet, though. He does. Yeah. He, no, he's got it. We know yeah. Blake Shapin's impressive, man. He's got yeah. a he's got a gun. He can make some of those really impressive throws. But they they want their running game to be the identity and feature of their offense. So if you can make the running game inconsistent, so they stay out of rhythm, then you can force Blake Shapin to have to make some NFL throws to beat you. And that's where you want to be if you're Texas. If yeah. that is the case, then you can let your pressure, let your D lineman just get pressure on them. And then they can pin their ears back. But if they can remain balanced, if they're able to run the football consistently, that means they got balance. That's going to be a long day for the Texas defense. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Uh, we got another off the record on the other side. And we'll come back and get into uh, numerous stories. Got a couple of stories we'll get into an off the record uh, right here on Ball Don't Lie on 1049. Right here on 104.9 The Horn, top of the charts Tuesday right here on Ball Don't Lie. Uh, you can always be a part of the show. Hit us up, Specs text on 512-337-3776. A uh, couple of stories, random stories I want to hit here in uh, Off the Record. Um, now it seems like it's become more official that uh, Larsa Pippen, ex-wife of Scottie Pippen, is indeed dating uh, Marcus Jordan, Michael Jordan's son. Uh, they were spotted actually recently at a sporting event, uh, Chargers game actually they were spotted at on Sunday. <laughs> 
and uh, hecklers <coughs> are now starting to go after Larsa. Uh, heckler was spotted yelling at her, hey, Larsa, that when she was spotted with Michael Jordan's son. Uh, hey, Larsa, that's what you're doing, the fan said. You're with the boy, Mike's son. You're a cold mf'er, ain't you? You're cold as an mf'er, homie. Now, this was called a video and went viral. Uh yeah, I mean, I, so this is no longer a stunt. Is this real? I thought this it was is just, real. No, I no no no. I I knew it was they actually did something, but are they dating now? That I thought they were just to gonna be. bang it out and then for the headlines. Sometimes it's you know you continue those headlines to go. I thought it, I thought she just wanted to go viral. Well, she's been viral. That has well, yeah, nothing know, to do. That, that she is she stays in viral. She's like. What's her what's her lifetime Longhorn Tristan Thompson? Yeah, she's that viral. She's that viral. Oh. She is that viral. Oh, well, uh, yeah. yeah, that's normal virus. Yeah, yeah viral. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. Is Michael Jordan force? Is Michael Jordan forcing his son to to keep banging it out with Larsa? I don't know. To, to I, I think he may have started it. I don't know. If, I don't know if he had to force him to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, not force him, but yeah. uh, and compel him. Influence him to do so. Like, hey man, you need to like, keep hey, that man, thing I, I, I want, I want Scotty humiliated. I want you to, I want you basically to get engaged to her and then leave her at the oh, altar. Oh wait, wait, I'm gonna throw an alternate theory out there now. Go give it to her. I me. know where that this she, is going. She I just wants to be with MJ, and that's the whole reason she was with Scotty because she's like, you right, you Michael's right here, man. And then they had a falling out, and she's like, I'm done with you. I'm gonna go with this. Son. I'm gonna get closer to Michael. Wow. I don't think any of that's true, but I like the theory. I love that theory. <laughs> that's a sick, twisted, demented theory, and I'm all here for it because you're right. That You're right. I mean, that would get her closer to Michael. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Ugh. The son and the and the father, too. Yeah. She's freaky enough to do it, I will say that. Or she's thirsty enough, I should say. She yeah, she's definitely thirst thirsty trapping. enough for the, yeah, yeah. for the fame. But, man, I thought, I thought for both of them, they were getting together so they both could get viral. Uh, and they both had motive. MJ probably wanted some revenge, send his son. She wanted to get some fame. It's all good. Mm-hmm. But this has been going on for like a, like a couple of months now. Yeah. Oh, this has been a while? It's been a while. Yeah, this thing getting serious. Pro- it, it was probably something prior to that as well. And she got that good good, so yeah, you got to get out of there quick before you get hooked. No, he, he, I need some more of that <laughs> large. Like, maybe Michael told him to stop. Large. He's like, it's enough, son. He's yeah. like, no, it's not. No, that. it's not. No, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when it's enough. I'll let you know. <laughs> Uh, speaking of NBA drama, gentlemen, uh, unfortunately, Devin Booker and Kendall Jenner yep. have uh, split up for good this time. They've called the quits, apparently. Uh, the, I guess that the news outlets are the uh, different media sites, TMZ, are reporting that they weren't able to spend enough time together. They had mm. trouble syncing up schedules. They're both yeah, they too busy. On, yeah, they was on the grind. Both of them trying to make that bread. She's a supermodel. And, and he's a hooper. And he's an NBA superstar. So yeah. Just couldn't make it work. Yeah. First world problems. Man. Sometimes you got to go with what you go. Uh, What'd you say? Sometimes you just got to go with God. Gotta go. let, <laughs> hey, let go and let God. You know, <laughs> is, it, is his NBA career, Patrick, going to improve as a result of him uh, leaving uh, the Jenner or get better? Is it going to improve she's or the, get worse? She's probably one of the better ones in that family. Like, she is the one that does nothing about her is fake. Well, I would disagree with I'm that. I'm talking about her enhancement. <laughs> I'm yeah. talking about her body. 
She's a she's the model. Oh, she's all natural. She's you, say, natural. you say she's got no co- none, cosmetic none, enhancements. None. I disagree with that. That is straight up BS. There's no There's none. Not nothing on her body's been cosmetically Not nothing on face. No lip filler. Nothing. I used to watch Kardashians. No, hard. And Kim says her butt has never been cosmetically enhanced either. We all know that's BS. I don't believe that. Exactly. Anything they I, say, they're all I do Harge going CSI, <laughs> CSI Instagram. I'm telling you. Honor. No, if you look from picture here to picture, they have the yeah. same lips. I mean, if you look at it and you put them side by side and you go from I would look, I've been stalking this lady for years. She ain't got nothing. <laughs> I look at this. She's easily the most natural of the ladies. Of all the Kardashian women, very and much so. Of her sister Kylie as well. She's more than that. I don't know if she is totally Will the internet e- tell totally us? exempt from cosmetic. No, because then there's a girl. Oh, no, I'm okay. just kidding. I I'm think kidding. Patrick proved this when he he did the experiment about what people's net worth is, what their uh-huh. net worth yeah. is based on the internet, and it's like it's all a lot. Okay, <laughs> no, 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 Ron net worth. We know it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lie. <laughs> so there are lots of lies on the internet. Okay, she you is, and she's five ten. She's gorgeous. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's amazing. She's beautiful. I don't, I don't, she's she's five ten. Like Rob Babers is five ten. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Rob Barry's is five ten and worth one point five million. <laughs> That's what the internet has told me. <laughs> no, no, the, the five ten thing was a lie. That was actually debunked way before the internet thing. Because I went to the combine and they said I was five ten, and the Vikings accused me of being a liar. They were like, "Why'd you lie about your?" I was like, "I didn't lie. UT lied. You blaming me for a UT lie? That's not my fault. That propaganda. To blame Mac Brown for that lie. Oh. I never said I was five ten. Even they though they build you up to tear you." Now I, I, I never disputed it. When they, I, never, I never go out there and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. actually I'm five eight and three quarters. So that's that's not uh, embellished. That, that is what I was told. No. Uh, hey, so oh. I took it, but you're right about that. Yeah, that's not everything on the internet, true, but you might be right. She is probably the least cosmetically enhanced. I will go with that. The man. most natural. We'll go with that. Yeah, that's like Diet Coke's the healthiest Coke. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. That's enough talking about the Kardashian women. I had another story that I wanted to bring up. Oh, actually, this is a good story. Yeah, um, bring it. Bring real quick, John. Okay, did you John Belushi? I don't know if you yes. guys have seen Blues Brothers lately. Yeah. Lately, I mean, not lately. Lately, I know it's not one of those that I'll like see in the middle much. of the night and I'll stay up and watch. That's not one of them. It's not Purple Rain. It's for not you? Purple Rain. For me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, uh, famously of Blues Brothers, this was actually in an article in Vanity Fair, where Dan Aykroyd uh, admitted during the movie they had a cocaine budget. Yeah, like a little budget. They all chipped in, and they <laughs> had a cocaine budget on the movie. He said everyone did it, including me, never to excess, not to... Uh, not not ever to where I wanted to buy it or have it, uh, but John, he just loved it, what it did. It sort of brought him alive at night, that superpower feeling where you start to talk and converse and figure you can solve all the world's problems. Wow. Man. Isn't that a crazy story? Well, hey, okay, we need to negotiate my contract. Wow. Man, that was a wild time. We need to time. add this into yeah. my contract. I mean, the story the story's about John Belushi, like when they were doing Animal House and they have to go find him. Because he would just disappear and he would just go to people's houses that were in the neighborhood and, and knock party? on their doors. What was he doing? No, he would just go in and like, hey, man, can I? Can you make me a sandwich? And they're like, you're, hell yeah, because you're, yeah, you're John Belushi. And <laughs> they would just go eat a sandwich and go sleep on their couch. And they'd have to go like door to door knocking and they'd be like, is John Belushi here? And they're like, yeah, he's on the couch. What? Yeah. yeah. That dude was, uh, man, he was strange. 
That was a, he, was just, he was a strange cat. He's hilarious though. Yeah, strange, he was. Strange cat, but uh, yeah, man, that story was wild, and uh, it's a Vanity Fair story. If you want to go look it up, uh, but it basically talks about yeah some of the crazy stories of John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd's time uh, with him with Blues Brothers. Hey, here's here's a great text that we yeah. got. Someone adds inches to us. We go with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> men lie up, women lie down. Yep. Not a sexist thing, but like women are, ask a woman how many men she slept with, she's going to tell you less. Ask her how much she weighs, less. What's her age, less. Ask a man, what, what, how much you bench, more. All yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Usually, how uh, fast how, are you? How many women more. have exactly. yeah, exactly. how many women have sex with, more. When yep. Men lie up, women lie down. That's just the way it goes. You're right. So <laughs> add inches, hell yeah. I love I'll it. I'll take them at that inch and a half. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what? that means a lot. Dude, that's why I manscape. <laughs> Try to get that extra inch, man. For real. All right, we'll come back. We'll uh, get to some Texas Baylor on the side. Right here on Baldo Live, 104.9 The Horn.